my idea is that we th through being matter which is which is the yearning for transformation and contact we inevitably experience this material reality as meaningful and as um, full of feeling that's my that's my link that's my my attempt to, to pull these things together and then i go out into nature and i'm searching for instances and for um, stories and narratives which show this biologist and philosopher andreas weber reframes ecology as a tender practice of forging relationships of yearning for connections and of expressing these desires through our bodies being alive is an erotic process constantly transforming the self through contact with others we discuss his book matter and desire an erotic ecology it's time for progressive spirit stick around you're listening to the podcast version of progressive spirit if you enjoy the show please go to itunes stitcher google play podomatic tune in or whatever podcast app you use to listen and give progressive spirit five stars won't you Contact me through ProgressiveSpirit.net with your thoughts and ideas about the show. And be sure to share this podcast on your social media. Follow on Facebook and Twitter. The website, again, is ProgressiveSpirit.net. For the Pacifica Radio Network, PRX, Public Radio Exchange, and from the studios of KBOO in Portland, Oregon, this is Progressive Spirit, progressivespirit.net. I'm John Schock. One thing we know about life is that if it is full life, full aliveness, it is about joy. It is joyful. It is, it is the celebration of connection, or it is the, it is the feast of individuality, through others. And that's something to my eyes that we always receive through other beings um, in ecosystems, in the biosphere. So, so in, in, in a traditional way of using the language, you would say this is what we experience in nature. It's the joy of being self in connection. And that's very contagious. That's, that's so contagious that, we, that we, always, we always want to go there and we see these shining autumn leaves or we see the, the spring blossoms we will we will see the spring blossoms next year and then we'll feel that we are also spring blossoms opening for a connection and that's that's joyful so there's a basic um there's a basic happiness about being a part of this world in connection and i would say any suffering and any any pain um, which as we know there's a lot of that in this world. It has to do with an obstruction of the, uh, the joy of being in connection. Andreas Weber is a Berlin-based philosopher, biologist, and writer. He holds degrees in marine biology and cultural studies. His books in English include Enlivenment Towards a Fundamental Shift in the Concepts of Nature, Culture and Politics, the Biology of Wonder, Aliveness, Feeling, and the Metamorphosis of Science, and Biopoetics Towards an Existential Ecology. Weber regularly contributes to major newspapers and magazines such as National Geographic, and he's won a number of awards for his writing. His latest book and our subject today is Matter and Desire, an Erotic Ecology. And he's with me via Skype from Berlin, where he teaches philosophy. Welcome, Andreas Weber, to Progressive Spirit. Hi, John. Good evening. Well, tell me about this exciting book, uh, Matter and Desire, an Erotic Ecology. How did it come to be? Um, well, it has many, it has many sources, um, and um, maybe it's, 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 it's important to stress that one of the sources is my personal everyday experience of um, a being in the world with uh, flesh and skin and with feelings and desires and with this particular longing to be in touch with other particularly non-human beings. So I, um, I actually, for the whole of my writing career, I'm searching to understand 
um, why why is why is why do I have this desire to to be in touch with other plants and animals and the air around me and the, the air the the earth with uh, its gravity and um, the book is an is an is an attempt to understand that as um, as a process of mutual erotic attraction um, mediated by by bodies by my skin by matter and um, in in the course of doing this which is very much a narrative on in, in very many places of the book so I, I tell stories I tell my own story I talk about others and other beings so it's nature writing and in the course of doing this I'm I'm trying to understand um, well, let's say reality um, as not as um, something neutral with objects separated from subjects, but as a huge, um, complex and incomplete um, emotional process of interchange and relationship and transformation. So I try to get the world of bodies from the inside, as I am a body, but I am also an inside, an inwardness, a feeling. That's that's the starting point, or that's my my um, endeavor of the whole thing. And in a sense, it is a response, in part, to uh, more what we might say, what a mechanistic uh, understanding of science uh, as we in, in, in inherited it uh, from say uh, the 16th century and forward uh, as with as with subject versus object and the material uh, dead world that we uh, study by a scientific method so for example you are a scientist you're a biologist and you're also uh, a, a writer uh, are you seeing kind of a change in the way that uh, uh, that science is happening are, are we becoming uh, more as you might say erotic in 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 terms of uh, our, uh understanding our world in which we live yeah absolutely i'm 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 seeing ourselves in a in a time of change it's it's a huge tide shift at the moment and um, some some people call this the anthropocene or others would say it's um it's a breakdown in um, in the dualism of science, or still others would say that the um, that in the humanities. So, if if you write a book, a philosophical book about humans and nature, you're already in the humanities. In the humanities, the fashion of seeing the world in terms of a construction of human minds or of language systems has starts to become a little bit outdated. So in a way, we, we, um, science itself and, and many, the many flavors of science, um, are, are changing from, um, from a very, a very long-term way of seeing things into something which we don't know yet. But it's a, it's a major, it's a major shift which is happening at the moment. And the major shift, um, goes, um, always in the direction of, um, getting our hands dirty, of not being able to separate things and feelings or matter and mind. So, so we start to understand that, um, any thinking process, um, means to move matter and comes about by matter. So it's not, it's not detachable. Matter matters also for, um, for philosophers and, Semioticians, and on the other hand, we see that everything material creates a meaning in this world and creates an inwardness. So, so we are, we are, we are, we're actually on a tra trajectory where science discovers that humans are not that separated from the remainder of the world, which is a, to my eyes, it's a, it's, it's an amazing, um, let's say it's an amazing, um, um, pull to something much more healthy and much more sane and something desperately needed actually i think we you know we're seeing kind of um a change in language uh, rather than say i'm going out to discover nature those kinds of things that really we're recognizing of course that uh, how could we be anything but nature and it begins uh within um absolutely absolutely and i mean it's it's um, i i have ceased to use the word nature in terms of talking about the other beings which are non-human because I basically see this is a massive form of othering or you could even say it's speciesism it's it's excluding others from something we have or it's excluding it's excluding ourselves from something they have so we have a 
if, if we do this, we, we create a basic rift. And um, I know that many, um, I mean, I did this um, until not, not that much time ago, actually. I, I, I had, I talked about nature um, with this yearning of something which is somehow um, not, um, not impacted by the destruction humans bring about. So nature also has this romantic ringing to it. But on the other hand, it means that we always, if we keep nature there on the other side, we always construct something ideal, which then is kind of untouchable to us. And um, to me, it's 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 a kind of ex everyday exercise not to talk about nature, but to talk about other beings or other um, subjects or fellow beings or fellow subjects. And I'm I'm actually just just now just reading the latest book of uh, Timothy Morton, the philosopher Tim Morton, which the title is Humankind, and he he does this coming from the the very um, let's say very stylish, very leftish, very uh, gender uh, Marxist humanities, and he finds um, uh, he talks about um, a network of symbiosis. And a yearning for symbiosis, which includes um, everything from atoms up to ideas, and um, I see this as a much more um, a much more realistic way of coping with our reality, because it does the way with this shift, which we always have carried inside ourselves, and which we could never really explain, and which has caused so many suffering. I mean, suffering on the on the scale of somebody going to the doctor and the doctor prescribing. Uh, pills against basically a, um, a feeling, let's say uh, antidepressants against, against feeling low. Um, so you, you, you are treated like a machine and, and you're somehow left there with this fissure in yourself. Or, or on the other hand, like uh, if you treat um, the environment like, like just something which is out there, you destroy it. So we, we, we realize we, we can't, we can't go on with this. And, um, so in a way, I'm, I'm, I'm totally excited about the time we're in um, because it's it finally um, on on many fronts in many places um, in many um, through many minds we are doing away with these um, with these unhealthy and toxic um, separations. But on the other hand, we are in a time which still um, works with these separations. If you look at the, the, like the, the mainstream happenings, like mainstream economy or mainstream politics or mainstream natural science, it's still working according to the old scheme. So we need to be quick, actually, and, and push forward our, our new thinking. Yes, Andreas Weber, uh, my guest, uh, author of Matter and Desire, an Erotic Ecology. Can you talk a little bit about the selection of words uh, for your title, Erotic uh, Desire? There's a sensual, sexual quality to that. Did you mean to uh, uh, invoke that in the title of your work? Well, I, I, I wasn't against invoking this a little bit. And, um, I mean, every author is always thinking, what is the best-selling title ever? <laughs> <laughs> Well, this, but I mean, it's, it's broader. So it's, right. um, it's, it's, um, it's more that I include human sexuality in this, um, huge, um, fascination of bodies by one another. And when I say bodies, I mean already atoms, which, um, which in a way yearn to get into contact with another. If you look at the, at, the, at the water molecule, it's composed of two hydrogen atoms and one oxygen atom. And in a way, if you put them together under the right circumstances, they bond. They, they have this tendency to bond. And we, if we look at the, at the history of the cosmos, you can only explain it by the, let's say, curiosity or the yearning, the tendency, the, 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 the inbuilt drive of bits of reality, of material bits of reality, or of of structures and processes um, mediated by energy, of always encountering other, and by always encountering other, somehow changing themselves and other and giving birth to something new. So, um, to my eyes, this is there. There's a so it's it's that large when I'm talking about errors. So there's a fundamental, um, let's say. You could call it tendency, but I'm, I'm I, I like to talk about desire because um, 
because I am also part of this cosmos and I know desire from the inside and I'm a body and I'm, I'm, I feel desire to, well, to go on, to, 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 to keep, to keep being alive, to, to, um, to prosper, to connect with others, to breathe, to drink, to eat, whatever. And, um, so in a way, I, 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 um, I'm, I'm thinking that we, we should, um, if we, um, if we do away with the borders between these two sides of the rift, which are matter and mind, if we do away with them, if, if we accept that we are basically matter, which is at the same time an experience of inwardness, um, then we can also argue from the standpoint of, of ourselves. We are a feature of reality and we know what reality is about because we are this reality and 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 being this reality, we know that we are desireful of connection, not only of sexual connection. That's that's an important part, but it's only a part. And connection is much broader than this. But we can we can feel um, ourselves as being matter, yearning for connection, and um, so we can understand the the unfolding cosmos from our personal standpoint. Which I when I when I allowed myself to think this thought, I was just. I was, I just found amazing. I, I was just thinking, wow. So, um, I, I can be totally on the inside and I can feel myself as part of the world, which is even able to, to have a, have an idea of itself as world. So I was, I was really consoled by, by that thought. And I think it's, it's good to be, um, to be, to be well led back to into the world, which, which in, in so many ways we have left by our um, by our human way of excluding us in this ivory tower of being better or being different, and um, so coming to your answer, so it's in in a way it's a it's a very first person approach to say this world is about yearning to be and to be in connection, and I know this because I am this world. And on the other hand, we can see um, if we look at what happens in, in physics, in chemistry, in biology, we can see that everything is always trying to forge new connections. And, and that's a, that's a, that's a massive erotic happening. And, um, I think it's, we, we can, we, we need this in, in natural sciences, some, some, some um, vector, some flavor of feeling. That's, that's what is missing, basically. Well, we've had a long, uh, a long philosophical uh, history, really, of mind over matter, or we might say mind above matter, or the human being as kind of the apex of creation, that, that kind of theological and philosophical thing that uh, we're recognizing. I, th I think now with, with modern science, uh, biology and evolution, um, th that uh, obviously we are, we, we are matter. You talk about um, this experience, uh, the inner experience of aliveness um mm -hmm. can you say more about that yeah that's that's actually what i what i just would like to add to to your comment to to what i said about my um let's say my my, my self-consciousness of talking my, about myself as matter which is at the same time inwardness uh -huh. because in the what what happened was that um in the let's say in, in christian culture and christian occidental culture um, we had this 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 idea which you refer to of mind over matter, um, because ultimately um, it was mind who ruled the world or created the world, and this shifted with modern science, and then uh. it was matter over mind. So then it was the laws of matter can explain the um, the caprices of the mind. So that was just the other way around. And that was when the two domains really started to lose contact with one another. So there was, there were these, these guys in the humanities who still had the idea that it's basically about mind or then they called it language or they called it structure or they called it economies of discourse or whatever or, or construction of, um, of, 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 well, whatever disp dispositions and, but on the other hand, the, the, I'd say the, the materially dominating version, and you, you refer to evolutionary theory or to, to basic findings in physics, was more or less doing without mind. That was just a kind of artifact or an epiphenomenon which, 
which we actually didn't really need. So, so modern brain research was about like, why do we need the feeling of qualities when we are basically biological machines? And what I am trying to do is to find a way somewhere between these extremes. So just to, to find a middle way, which is reconciling um, being fully being matter by fully being experience or, or fully being inwardness. And, um, and to my eyes, that's, that's, that's the, let's say that's the door which is being opened by biological research. And, um, that's just, that's just the bit we are missing. So if we, if we have the only the two extremes on, on both sides, we can't really, um, there, there's always the vacuum in the middle. Um, so I'm, um, my, 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 my idea is that we, th through being matter, which is, which is the yearning for transformation and contact, we inevitably experience this material reality as meaningful and as um, full of feeling. That's my, that's my link. That's my, my attempt to, to pull these things together. And then I go out into nature and I'm searching for instances and for um, stories and narratives which show this. And um, and so that inner experience of aliveness is that is that feeling of awe? Is it that feeling of of discovery? Is it uh, the amazement of being alive itself? Is it kind of reminding ourselves uh, that that we exist? Well, I'd say that in a way, it yes, in a way, it's. Um, like concentrating on our feeling of being alive, it it amounts to be, um, it amounts to be this kind of deep, even mystical experience of, oh wow, I am really a center of concern in this world which truly belongs to me. This is this is let's say this is the the focus or the the the, the 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 point where this culminates. But when I'm talking about aliveness as um, let's say as a category of experience and also of thinking, I'm I'm more talking about a very everyday experience actually, which which is the same one, but in in let's say in a, in, a, in a way not in, not not that much much conscious and not that elaborated and not that not not that concentrated into a, a, a really, um, let's say, special experience. Um, and um, liveness means to f means actually to feel myself as a vulnerable body um, with a desire to carry on among a world which also consists of, of vulnerable bodies. So it means to be to be um, to be matter, and on the other hand, to to have to be a feeling center to which everything which happens uh, means something. Because I I'm vulnerable, I can ultimately die. I ultimately will die. And to my eyes, the the condition of aliveness is something which is shared by every every living being, every cell actually, and. Um, and because it's shared and because it's always about desiring to go on to exist versus the, the, the let's say the, the danger or the threat um, or the, 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 the fate of, of dying, it is always meaningful. Living beings always have meaningful experiences because they are no machines. They, they are not constructed by somebody and then they, they, they execute orders. They always are a concern. Um, the concern of getting on in a meaningful way, which changes, which which would change the perspective totally with the perspective we have on on our biosphere on on the reality. Say a little bit more about um, one of your chapters is is called death, and and there's a paragraph here. Uh, under the heading "Living Means Learning to Die," uh, you write yeah. that the universe is not purely gentle; it's just as deadly as it is gentle, yeah. and it can yeah. only be gentle because it is deadly, and it can only be yeah. gentle insofar as its gentleness constantly puts up a fight against death. And this is the message of erotic ecology, one that sets it against Darwinism. Can Can you go ahead and explain that a little bit more? What What, what do you mean by learning? Um, living means learning to die. Yeah, and. and 
on first hand, it might seem a bit strange and even a bit, um, let's say, irritating. But on the other hand, um, we we need to see that to be alive is um, is not it's not a state which you which you get and then it's there and and, and then it's um, it might be over at some point. It's a constant creation um, of something which is functioning, but which in every moment um, starts already to decay. So what, what a cell is doing is always constructing itself. So it's, it's not a thing. It's not a clockwork. It's not a computer, but it's a, um, let's say it's a, it's a tendency to, to build up oneself. And, um, this, this, this tendency to build up oneself means that, um, every living being always needs to incorporate stuff and matter from the outside and get, needs to give away something from itself. That's, that's, you, a scientist would call this metabolism. But from a, from a, let's say from a, um, from a matter as desire standpoint, we can see that, um, to live means to continuously um, be challenged by the incorporation of otherness, of other matter, um, of relations to others, of others as meaningful for my own con existence. So, um, there is no, um, there's no substantial essence which, um, which just functions if it's not disturbed. But life is, is rather a continuous disturbance. Um, underlying a continuous desire for closeness. So death in a way is, is built in, into life as one of its sides. It's the side of continuous change, of continuous reaching out to other, which then challenges self. And, um, to my eyes, it's, we, we shouldn't talk about death, um, in opposition to life, but we should talk about life, including death and birth which are always one side of the other. Every death is a birth. Every death um, of my own cells in the sense that they um, set free their components in, well, let's say in breathing out, uh, means that there are taken up new components by eating and uh, which then um, replenish me as a body. And... Um, and to my eyes, this is something our civilization and our scientific culture has very much pushed away um, in our in our in this epic search for um, immortality, which is so deeply characteristic of our culture and which has been so deeply characteristic of our culture, maybe from Greek times, from Plato, from Aristotle on, and um, so we, we we tend to, or let's say, scientists, philosophers. Um, tend to um, exclude death from a positive definition of 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 what is a viable functioning entity in the world. And um, to my eyes, that it's wrong. We we should we should see that um, that that decay, that um, deconstruction, decomposition is part of what is happening in a living process. And um, to my eyes, you can prove this very well if you look at the basic biochemistry. And the interesting thing, thing is that this absolutely um, perfectly dovetails which, which what we know about personal development. We all know that in order to be true to your own unfolding, you need to die certain deaths, deaths in the sense of clinging to um, a lifestyle that you know you, 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 you don't really need anymore because you need to do something um, which is about change and which means to do away with certain things or you need to die in terms of um, um, facing a challenge which is absolutely necessary but which um, terrifies you or you need to die in because you need to leave a relationship um, which um, is not nourishing you and still um, it's holding you. So it's very difficult to do this. All these are, and everybody I think knows what I'm talking about. All these deaths are necessary in order to, to grant um, ongoing connection. Um, we know this from personal life and um, 
but it's not only in in personal human development it's also in material uh, let's say cosmic development all this is always about um, getting into contact and leaving the old shape um, in favor of a new shape and um, so it's always about transformation and only because um, because there's so much dying um, life is always so much rejuvenating and um, that's an aspect which um, let's say mainstream science has not really taken up but that's an as aspect I, I think which shows very much that um, material aspects always have existential aspect or inwardness aspect and we can they can mutually um, enlighten one another I'm John Schack. This is Progressive Spirit. I'm speaking with Andreas Weber. He's the author of Matter and Desire, an erotic ecology. More to come. Stay with us. Progressive Spirit is produced every week. It couldn't happen without the financial support of my congregation, Southminster Presbyterian Church in Beaverton, Oregon. Southminster's website is www.southmin.org. Progressive Spirit is produced in the studios of KBOO in Portland, Oregon for the Pacifica Radio Network and PRX, the public radio exchange, as well as podcast. Show KBOO some love, won't you? KBOO.FM and click donate. I'm speaking with Andreas Weber. He's the author of Matter and Desire, an Erotic Ecology. Weber proposes a new approach, the development of a poetic ecology which intimately attaches our species to every being and underpins the entire range of human experience. He argues that feelings and emotions far from being superfluous to the study of organisms are the very foundation of life. This is Progressive Spirit. I'm John Schock. You know, we talked about immortality, um, and I've often thought uh, many religions, of course, uh, Christianity I'm thinking of, but, but others too, uh, Islam, thinking that, that that's really the goal and the, and the ideal is somehow living beyond, transcending one's own individual death. Uh, and, and that um, certainly has led to, I would say, uh, in, in some respects, a, a devaluation, certainly, of, of, of the life that is real and right before us and, and, and within and between us. And what I get from reading your book is, is recognizing that meaning isn't in the, I don't know if you would use this word, but supernatural, the outside the realm, but it's in the relationships of everything that is that is not only other yeah. people, but, but all beyond human beings as well, that yeah. the meaning is in that relationship, not in the entity. Is that? Yeah, well, absolutely. Absolutely. And just, just to add some more um, um, explanations to that, I, I'd say that the supernatural is inside the natural. It's not beyond. Okay. The natural. Yeah. All right. It's, it's not beyond the natural, but it's inside the natural. So it's, I'd, I'd even say that, um, the, 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 the one most important point to see is that, um, that all is one and we are within or part of this oneness, which still for some reason differentiates and, and, and yields separation. And, um, and, and this is the arena where we have to, to understand that um, in order to experience this oneness, we need to experience and to work on separation. So um, that's my, my, my take on supernatural is within the natural. Um, I think we, it is all here and it is within us already. And it, it depends on our way of seeing and doing things. Um, and um, it's not somewhere there and it's not, um, it's not, let's say, um, beyond our um, embodied lives in flesh and blood together 
with all the yearning other beings in this world. That's that's very important to me, and it's very important to me that that um, there is no such thing. I mean, at, let's say at least to my to my eyes at that particular moment of my um, thought developments, and I'm, I might change my ideas as I, as I already did. Um, I, I don't believe in the existence of anything purely, let's say, purely abstract or purely spiritual beyond matter, the matter of this reality. Uh, I think it's it's always a two aspect thing. It's always you you have the you have the 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 the, the heavy stuff which just if you just turn it around, or if you just set it in action, and if you just follow the trajectory of what it is doing, if you set matter free, then you in inevitably have a feeling aspect or a spiritual aspect. And I mean, it's this sounds a little bit uh, Whiteheadian, like Whitehead's process philosophy, where yeah. it was where it was talking about um, feeling as um, let's say as an as a, as a, as, a, as a feature of the most basic particles and um i think it's this it's it's we we should revisit that as well and um, that that was one uh, solution to 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 bind together these two aspects of reality and um and to my eyes living beings are just doing this so in my eyes in in a, in a weird way the the solution to the enigma wow how is this possible how can matter be at the same time, the experience of connection. So, so then you start to study physics and you start to study quantum physics and uh, you start to look at this weirdness where you, you have action at a distance and you have um, the, the strange implication of everything by just one event. But then if you just lean back and breathe, breathe in and breathe out, and or you're sitting on a forest floor, and then you realize that as a living being, we already know that matter is feeling because we are matter which is feeling. So in a way, um, it, it becomes very simple. If we just grant our, our own perception as uh, living beings that, let's say, that power or the, the right to, um, to make valid observations about reality. I, I, I think I have come, come a, bit, a little bit away from your question, probably, but uh, but maybe that was useful as well. What I, what yeah, I yeah, very very much so. My guest is Andreas Weber. He's the author of Matter and Desire: An Erotic Ecology. Now, do you you've drawn from a variety, I think, of wisdom traditions? Um, what would you what would you say in in terms of um, of the state of religion today, if you could call uh, the, the different kinds of religion, are are we kind of looking at a religion 2.0 or a spirituality 2.0 with erotic ecology? <laughs> what I mean that I'm using kind of a computer metaphor of, of that we've got no, all of the traditional ones and 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 nice but, metaphor, the nice metaphor because I use it as well. Only that I say what I do is romanticism 2.0. Okay, so we're already very close. And, um, well, I would say actually what I'm trying to do here is, um, has, is already, has always been present. I, w I would say it has always been present and probably it's, 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 um, it's closest to the mystical traditions of various religions. And you could also say it's, it's, this is, um, it's, it's, um, informed biological um, mysticism in a way so it's it's what i'm doing is i'm not dipping in because i'm not i'm not coming from any religious um corner i'm not a buddhist and i'm not a i'm not a sufi and i'm not a i'm not a i'm not a practicing christian but i'm a let's say i'm a i'm a biologist and nature writer and poet maybe that's the that would be the closest like let's say quasi religious description of myself um, but I'm trying to, um, what I'm trying to do in, in observing bodies and my own body and my, my own reactions still um, is very close to, um, to the, the mystical idea, which I already, I already referred to, uh, already alluded to of, of every, of the idea that every individual's experience is a, a reflection 
of the experience of the whole, which would be the divine whole. I'd say that you could you could maybe put it like this as a as a very a very general definition of the of the outlook of a mystic position. So in this, what I'm doing is very religious. But on the other hand, the mystics have always been in the minority. They're not. They're never the mainstream of their religion. The Sufis are not the mainstream of Islam, and the Christian mystics are not the mainstream of, of Christianity, um, and so 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 I have a certain stance on that, but it's it's I'm, I'm I keep with a minority, and um, but I think it's it's a very um, it's a minority which has a, a very accurate intuition about what is going on. I, I, I'd yeah. say it's, you know, you um, in erotic ecology, it, it sounds uh, to me, I'm making a connection between um, uh, theologian Matthew Fox, who talks about the spiritual path of, of awe, the, the via yeah. in Latin, the via positiva. Um, yeah. But, yeah. And you mentioned that, and I hate to go right to the end of the book to talk about this because people might want to uh, might, might want to wait that as a teaser. But I really uh, appreciated uh, especially that aspect of happiness and laughter. Uh, they're talking about laughter is oftentimes thing in response to humor, but you're talking about no, no laughter itself uh, really is as arises as the joy of relationship. Yes. Yes. Yeah. I mean, yes. So that's, that's the other aspect of what I'm doing. So it's, it's, I like it that you already asked me, um, please explain why you're so much talking about death. Uh-huh. Um, because, because, because normally, um, and now you ask me, you ask me explain a little bit more why, why are you so much talking about happiness? So these are the two poles of, of what I'm doing. And, and it's, it normally I, I, I receive depending on the public or depending on the way of I present my, my ideas when I give a speech, I receive the, the one possible skeptical question would be, it's so much about happiness. Where's death? And the other one would be, it's so much about death. Where's happiness? But as you, as you discovered, <laughs> So thanks so much for, yes, for reading. Yes, it's right there, both right there. That's what I like about it. Yeah. Yes. So so that's that's so important. So I I would say that the the and you asked this before. What what is what about the basic experience of aliveness? I would say the part of our of this um of this the core self experience of I am here as concerned by my own being is always a form of bliss or of happiness. As long as it doesn't go completely wrong, there is a, a fundamental joy of, of our own way of being through the connection with others. And, um, so it's, it's a kind of, let's say, self-organizing joy, which to my eyes is a way the whole experiences itself as being productive and fertile and desireful through individuals. I would say, and I mean, that's, that's my, let's say that's my, my, my basic personal stance on that. But I would say that, um, we, the, the one thing we know about life is that if it is full life, full aliveness, it is about joy. It is joyful. It is, it is the celebration of connection or it is, the, it is the feast of individuality through others and that's something to my eyes that we always receive through other beings um in ecosystems in the biosphere so so in in, tra- in a traditional way of using the language you would say this is what we experience in nature it's the joy of being self in connection and that's very contagious that's that's so contagious that we, that we always we always want to go there and we see these shining autumn leaves or we see the the spring blossoms we will we will see the spring blossoms next year and then we'll feel that we are also spring blossoms opening for a connection and that's that's joyful so there's a basic um there's a basic happiness about being a part of this world in connection and i would say any suffering and any any pain um, which as we know there's a lot of that in this world. It has to do with an obstruction of the uh, the joy of being in connection. And um, so first comes the happiness and then comes pain. But um, we can't have a world without obstruction, as as I tried to explain before, because 
we need um, we need the shrinking to allow for expanding and then we get into this um, very interesting deep and very very uh, scarcely understood terrain of, of the paradox of birth and death again i'm speaking with andreas weber we're on skype from uh He's uh, on Skype. Uh, he's from Berlin. Uh, we're talking about his book, Matter and Desire, an Erotic Ecology. And I want to talk, turn to a sense toward ethics um, mm. and, and, and how an erotic ecology might inspire uh, ethics for, well, let's just say for the for the issues that we're facing uh, regarding, say, uh, war or uh, our climate change and, and uh, all of the difficulties that we're, we're, we're facing in terms of uh, caring for Earth. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Thanks a lot. Thanks a lot. That's also very important. And um, and actually, I'm as you probably expect. I'm I'm not um, offering any traditional ethics in the sense of sets of rules for the behavior of human subjects. Um, already, I'm not um, talking about human subjects only anymore. I'm talking when I'm talking about subjects, it's embodied subjects starting with cells. And um, these are agents which are not, let's say, not not capable of morals in a maybe platonistic or Kantian sense. So we we need something else there. And um, what I find is um, a thinking which very much more um, bases ethics in um, in in something you could call um, ecosystem systemic thinking, or you could also call it. commons commons uh well let's say commons ecology so it's very much about the relationship of um of one single individual which needs the remainder of the whole let's say ecosystem or system or society to unfold and um which on the other hand needs to contribute to the system in order to sustain the system and um I said commons because we actually had um, an ethics which was about mutuality sharing and uh, which was also about breaking down the barriers between human-only agents and the remainder of the world. And that's a commons ethics. That's that's something which dominated um, indigenous worldview probably for the last million years when let's say human societies in the narrow sense started with homo erectus and um, that's something we find we still find in societies like uh, the the aborigines in australia and in, 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 in society in subsistence societies societies who live with the land and who sustain the land and for whom the land and its beings um, are not different in 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 kind from from humans. So there's something which can give us some inspiration, but we are we're not going to go back to um, let's say Stone Age ways of relating uh, to the land or to others. But we can learn a lot um, about breaking down the the difference between humans only, and then um, humans need an ethics, and we need for 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 how to. Um, manage the remainder of the world. We don't need an ethics. We just need um, a a technique or a methodology. And um, to my eyes, we need an ethics which is not about um, human actors which are above others and which have a moral law and um, to uh, which they need to um, apply in a brain-only way to, um, to manage how to dispose of those who are who don't have a moral law so that's the wrong way and i think we 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 need much more explorations in ethics which are which are about um which are about mutuality which are about sharing which are about participating in a, in a bigger whole which are about um, the idea of a self is only possible through other and actually, um, if, if I if I can add this, actually um, the idea, the ecological idea, which I referred to before, that self deeply needs other in order to connect and to um, and to re- recreate or to create more of self. That's a very profound idea of our experience of loving, because loving is always about 
blissfully being myself through the existence of you, through the existence of another, through the existence of a you, which grants me the possibility to be myself. And, and, and we even have a feeling for this. We even have a feeling for which, which we call, we, we call love. Although I would say love is the relationship and the feeling is more what we said before, bliss or happiness or lightness or joy. We have a feeling if we are in balance with the remainder of the system, we, we have a feeling of prosperity and of lightness and of um, a good sense of floating if we are able to allow allow ourselves our fundamental needs to connect and through allowing ourselves these needs allow also the others the needs to connect that we strangely we, we we know how it works and then we feel good and that's also a set of um let's say a set of uh, um um indicators we humans normally don't really use because we 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 don't really um, listen to our emotions in, in in determining our ways. We're listening to what we ought to do, or what we need to do, or what our boss wants us to do, or what we what our parents told us to do. So we 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 kind of have forgotten that we we have um, an inbuilt sense for ethical balance, which is our our feeling of whole or of right or of um, in a fruitful way to connect and I, th I think we should tap into this a lot more. Andreas Weber uh, has been my guest, philosopher, biologist and writer and the author of Matter and Desire, an erotic ecology, a beautiful and important book. Uh, Dr. Weber, thank you so much uh, for this book and for spending time with me today. Thank you, John. Progressive Spirit is heard every week. On Progressive Spirit, you hear interviews with cutting-edge scholars, authors, and activists who have something to say about social justice, human flourishing, and the things that matter. Progressive Spirit is formatted for radio and is distributed every week through the Pacifica Radio Network and PRX, the Public Radio Exchange. You can hear Progressive Spirit every week on WETS, Johnson City, Tennessee, WEHC, Emory, Virginia, WPVM, Asheville, North Carolina, Kutztown University Radio, Kutztown, Pennsylvania, KCEI, Taos, New Mexico, KACR, Alameda, California, WDRT, Viroqua, Wisconsin, KSOW, Cottage Grove, Oregon, and KZ88, Kabul, Missouri. You can also catch Progressive Spirit on your favorite podcast app. The website is ProgressiveSpirit.net. Follow also on Facebook and Twitter. Progressive Spirit is produced in the studios of KBOO in Portland, Oregon. I'm John Schuck. Be well.